Some of the things in your book that I loved that, yeah. um, first of all, Jerry um, getting up every day and writing for three hours. Yeah. Like, I, I used to try to sit and write, and I, I um, it's not, I have a notebook, I bring it everywhere I go, right, I have sick. a thought, and I get on stage that night, and I go, okay, let's work this shit out. You know, yeah. like, I am, that is a whole other, and you realize it's just the way our minds work differently. You know what I mean? But he really is so prolific. You start going on the road, right? And you're traveling a little bit. Well, let, let me tell you, not really. I mean, I did some of the little gigs around, you know, the, the one-nighters. Yeah, there was the Long Island. There was New right. Jersey. There was like Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. There was like all these things around. There was something called uh, King of Prussia. I don't know if you ever did that gig. <laughs> that one. Oh my god i feel like all this shit is coming did you do the what was it at amber something cafe at the in pennsylvania all right go ahead and the east remember east side comedy club yeah, course, in Long Island? oh yeah but i think it's still around uh oh, here god. but but i for the most part was an in-town comedian that's been all, sort of my whole life is like i like being in town because right I also have this other track going where I want to get acting work and things like that. And so I started playing colleges. Like right. that was how I, that's so that's I played how, hundreds of colleges right. through NACA. So Okay. Now, before we get to that, there's something else we have in common. Okay. Okay. You had a bunch of jobs. I want you to know <laughs> that I also worked at an elevator company. I worked at the it's elevator repair company What? where people would call. I was like the pick up the phone. My elevator's broken. <laughs> and you worked at Otis Elevator. I didn't work at Otis Elevator, but I worked. That at, was like, the, the number. Repair. Yeah, that's the exact that job I had. Yeah, I had that exact job. I was the service dispatcher for Midtown Manhattan for Otis Elevator. Mm -hmm. I just picked up the phone and said broken elevator and then someone else would dispatch. But yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fucking crazy? Where was um, this office? Oh, I don't know. Maybe in the 30s. I don't mine know. Mine was what, in the third. Mine was on yeah. Third Avenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking crazy. With the same person. Um, okay. Incredible. You also learned from Jerry Seinfeld. If you don't know who that is, then go fuck yourself. Um, that you should never compare yourself to other comedians. Yes. I love that because that is so true. And I tell comedians that all the time. You do. You're, yeah, because you there's no one like you. there's no one else there. That's you. Right. You're you. You know, that's the thing about Santa. And it's you hard know? to do. I will say it's hard to do. It is. It's really hard because you're like, why did that person get that? <laughs> and then you realize, oh, they're 20 years younger than me. They have big tits. They're five, eight and blonde hair. OK, so you start doing these colleges. Now, NACA for everyone is a National Association of College, blah, blah, and campus activities. activities. Yeah. And I, you were doing a lot of colleges, which was good because you could make, I remember yeah. 
I would make like 800 or a thousand like for it was, but I did like lunch rooms. It was like ridiculous. You did nooners? Did you do nooners? Yeah, I did nooners. I did yeah. nooners. Yeah. And you know what I noticed doing colleges that the, the better the school academically, the better the audience. Like oh the, God. I had that same exact thing. Right. Yes, it I started. I mean, you should see me at Lafayette or Lehigh or any right. or Amherst. I'm killing. Yeah, right. And yeah. then you go and it's yeah. like, fuck you. <laughs> um, you don't have an agent or manager and you start sending postcards. This is I love this story. Everywhere hey, hey. you go, you send a postcard. To get a commercial agent in L.A. When I moved to L.A. This is when I moved to L.A. 1987, you're like, you know what? I'm done here. I'm going to move. It's actually 86, 86. Yeah. I moved to L.A. in 86. So, no, I'm just sorry. Okay, so. Yeah. No, I wanted to go to L.A. right away. Before you go, before you go to L.A., can we just talk about Catch a Rising Star for one minute? Of course. You know, of course. I that was really my home club, Catch a Rising Star. And. I can't pass first. Avenue. I know you write in your book that you've known Lewis that whole time. Since I'm like, yes, Lewis was the bartender. Lewis, who is the uh, head of the New York Comedy Festival and who is also, you know, the talent coordinator at Caroline's mm-hmm. on Broadway. He was the bartender and he used to be like, you can get on gold. You get on. And, you know, I just sat there. I just people we hung out like people don't realize, you know, there's no TikTok. There's no social media. There's you and your notebook and you're fucking 12 to 15 minutes. And that's it. It didn't matter. Like when you didn't know who was in the audience, like you, it was really exciting because you never knew who was, especially a catch. Well, what was the deal? What, what, yeah. Yeah. Well, were you getting on a catch? Were you getting on late? Were you? I would get on it? really late. I would stay there all night and I would get on late at, which was good because, you know, I, there wasn't a lot of pressure, but the band and the wait staff laughed yeah. at me and I oh, knew I was awesome. funny. That's awesome. And Lloyd, the bass player. And yes, like, you're really fun. And Eddie Rabin, mm-hmm. the piano player. And I was just like, they're like, no, you're real. And I was like, really? And, you know, half the time it was just the mob who, you know, owned the club uh, yeah. with their mistresses. But I didn't care. Like, I watched so many great people. Ronnie Shakes. Like, I remember all these like amazing comics getting up there. And I really got to watch them. And I was the backup, too, because, you know, uh, which I write about in my book that Chris Rock and I were the backup. So right. no one had a phone. There was no cell phones. If you were stuck yeah. on a subway or in a cab and you couldn't get to your spot on the weekends, they would have someone sitting at the bar. to. Yeah, I did that. I did that. And they yeah. paid you for that. $50, $50. <laughs> that whole, I remember seeing Carol Leifer walk in there. I was like, oh my God, you know, Carol Leifer, Leifer, Wayne Fetterman yeah. recorded Wayne. her act once. Yeah. <laughs> So you leave in 87, which is weird in a way because, I mean, it's not weird. It just shows that you are like, okay, did this. Now I'm going to be going here and doing this. So you wanted to get a commercial agent. You moved to LA. Yeah. No one's responding. Nothing. And you decide you are going to write a postcard to this agent wherever you go. And you make it funny. Every postcard was funny. Yeah. And it was from wherever you were. So like example, like dear so-and-so. 
Well, it would always be <laughs> here I am in um, Missoula, Montana. And then the postcard would always be like a picture. This was my gag, basically. It would be a picture of something from Missoula. Right. But then way in the background, there'd be like a car or something. So I would, it would always be about that little thing in the back. That's my rental car. You know, so it was right. just stupid little things like right. that. So just so he knew I was working and I was generating something. Somebody was interested right. in me. And um, eventually, yeah, it took a, you know, over a year, almost two years. Yeah. And, and then he, he took you. He called me in, met me. I was like, all right, I'll send you out. And luckily I got caught, got a call back. Something. I don't know if your listeners know, but that means you, you get weeded down too. And so, and he's still my agent today. What's Doug, his name? Doug Ely. Jewish? No, I don't think he. I don't oh, think Doug is. He's, he's okay. just a great guy. I mean, he's like that's a, it's see, your friend. I, yeah. that's amazing. You are doing clubs there. You're working the clubs. Do you end up working at the Improv in mm -hmm. LA? The Improv yes, becomes a home. Yeah, right? my home, my home club. You're yeah. doing the clubs. You're doing commercials. You start getting commercials, a uh, little bit parts, <laughs> voiceovers, right? And you do. I'm waiting for it. Wayne. Do you recognize this voice? Hey, Wayne. I remember I was a waitress at the uh, improv and you oh, No, Wayne. Are, here's my favorite thing. The Bob Hope thing. Was that um, planned? Planned. He said, so but you're at you're on your. This is this is when this is before I've even done stand up when I met so Bob before Hope. you've done stand up. I'm at NYU. This when I'm at Weinstein. Oh, that was it. You. Okay, you're so young, and you ask Bob Hope, where was that? This was the show that was on before Letterman took over in June 23rd, 1980. So it was in the late 70s, so 79 probably. And it was America Alive with something Link, Mark Linkletter's kids, yeah. Mike Linkletter. I can't remember yeah. his first name right now. And that was the show. It's just a talk show during the day. And you and get up and you and ask. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And then, so we heard Bob Hope was there and he wanted young comedians there. I don't know if you know this in the crowd that day. And I had never met him. Carol Liefer, Jerry Seinfeld and Jonathan Schmock, but not Valerie. Wow. Yeah. And they all ask him questions. So you just get to see Wayne's. Yeah. So Wayne, what what did you ask him? Are you? I just I got up and I just did it, you know, because I was into. I don't know. I just said, right. Hey, it's great to meet you. Best of luck on your comeback. That's what I no. say to Bob. No, you asked him a question. He goes, "Well, if I was wearing, oh yeah, 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 wearing, yeah." No, yeah. but then I asked him if he, um, do you get nervous? Do you ever get nervous yeah. when you do a big show like the Academy Awards? And he said, because I had made that crack earlier, he goes, right. "Oh, I'd be nervous if I dressed like you." Yeah, <laughs> Bob. I don't know. I loved it. I couldn't believe he was talking to me. I know. That's it's amazing. OK, no, you, I love it. First I of all, I just want to tell you your one of my favorite jokes of yours is the Woody Allen joke. Uh, which thank is, you. Thank um, you. Can you tell it? It is one of my favorite jokes. Go ahead. My favorite joke is uh, it's great to be here in New York. I'm a because I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of Woody Allen and say what you will. It's now been uh, 17 years and he's still married to the same daughter. So hey, that baby, I love it. OK, um, say what you will. You start you do the Tonight Show in 94. Yep. Did that 
do anything? No, not that's really, what people not don't really. realize. It's not like in the old <laughs> days with like Gene Carroll and, you know, all the, where you do the Tonight Show and then it's boom or the Ed Sullivan show and it's boom, you know. But even it, for people, there's a lot of comedians that did Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Right. And I write about it in the book. Yeah. It didn't. Nothing happened. To right. It. A lot. A lot of comedians. I it agree. wasn't all it wasn't all Roseanne Barr and. Stephen Wright and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing where it's like, or Gary Shandling. Like, I know guys who did 20, over what? 20 Tonight Shows. Kathy Ladman did. Yeah, it. she was on the yeah. anniversary show. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. I mean, that, that that's sort of a myth about the Tonight right. Show. That like you did it and it was over. But I was thrilled to do the Tonight Show. I wish I had done it with Johnny, but it didn't happen. Right, right. I did it with Jay. Twice. Yeah, Three same times. thing. Yeah, yeah, we're the same person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I still have the thing. Did you do well? You did well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, did yeah. really well. Yeah. I did it. Oh, wait, I know. You're the one you went after John McCain or something, right? The first time I did it, I just did panels because I love telling stories. So I yeah. was like, it, and that was great. Right. And then they put me on right after John McCain had something in the news that he had apologized for. And then it was like, and here's your Jewish lesbo, loud Jew, <laughs> female Jew. Right. Talking about her Jewish mother, Jew. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D five zero, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code 
judygold50 at factormeals.com slash judygold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. How do you become friends with Gary Shandling? I auditioned for a show for the part of a, <laughs> this is again, we're exactly the same. There was an episode where he, Hank becomes Jewish. Do you know that episode? Yes. Okay. Well, in it, there's a bunch of network executives who also are Jewish. And I, I guess that's the same. So I auditioned for that. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. And then from that time, I think I auditioned for the part of the brother. Right. And then, and- but also I have to say, unfortunately, and this is going to sound nepotism, I started going to Judd, who I've known since I moved to California, brought me over to the house and my manager and we I started playing basketball. So Gary kind of knew me when that role came up. Right. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. I really feel like you have to tell Judd that I'm a genius. OK, <laughs> so also, I just want to let everyone know we skipped over the fact that you drove a cab and took kids on high school ski trips as one of your job. OK, I forgot. No, I'm laughing over that. Yep. You took them on ski trips like you. This was one of my great jobs. It was one. Do you understand? I am like really. I know this is going to sound creepy, but I'm great with kids. Like, and I'm just I'm good with them. I think mm-hmm. it's because I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> the door they break yeah. in right now. Hold on. What are you? Well, you're probably great with kids because. You didn't have the chance to really be a kid. And I don't so, know if it's, I don't know that, but I just, back I'm empathetic. I'm empathetic. Right. I just, I am the, same. I'm the same way. I'm the yeah, same way. I, just, I love, I know, yeah. I also feel like, I feel like I get kids. I like, yeah. I don't understand the people that like suddenly they're adults and they don't remember anything. Right. You know what Nothing? happened? This what is happens? what happened. Yeah. This is how, so, you know, I have two kids, Henry and Ben. Yes. Yeah. 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 So the, last weekend, uh, Henry and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's friends are all in Central Park. And Ben, my younger son, who's home from college. Wait, who plays meeting. basketball? Who plays ben, basketball? Ben. Ben, okay, okay. So he's home from college and he's right. going, he's like, oh, I'm meeting Henry in the park. Can I have my baseball mitt, my baseball glove? And he has a basketball. He's going to play a pickup game there, blah, 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 right. blah. And all I was like, I want to go like that's all I could think about. I want to go play with you guys like because that's what I used to do with them. I'd bring them to the fucking park and we would like play baseball and then we just we enlist any kid around and I take them to the projects or wherever and we'd all play basketball. And like, yeah, I mean, I'm 58 and I'm like, I want and it's so immature, but it's like, yeah, (laughs) I still feel like they want me there and they don't. When do you write? Because I have to say. You're, you wrote a biography of Pete Maravich. Yes. Um, and I am a basketball person, as you can imagine, because, you know, my son plays college basketball. And nice. I've, seen, I, I've seen the free throws. And I love, <laughs> that's it. I know, he's so upset. Um, it's really well, bad. That's, you don't understand, for someone who always wanted to play basketball at that level, like, to me, that's amazing, of course. He's so good. He's so good. And... You he know. does have a nice release. I saw that. It's amazing. He's amazing. Um, but Pete Maravich was an um, he was incredible. I mean, there was only first of all, there was only two point. There were no three pointers when he no played and he made 
what, 55? I mean, he was incredible. And then he died really young at 40. Yep. That's so awful. But you wrote a book about him. Yep. I might I might get for my kids. For a, okay. Now we're talking. Now that's we're right, talking. Because I want you to get a residual. Okay. <laughs> so you, you writing a lot too, which is great, which is something I was so obsessed with performing. Um, I did write, I mean, I wrote for Rosie and I did some other, but I, mm -hmm. I realize now that I'm writing on a show that I feel like I missed, you know, like I could have written more, you know what I mean? Um, well, I have the opposite view. I wish I didn't have to write. Not didn't have to, but it's just it was more like that opportunity opened up for me and I took right, it. Right. Like, but oh, it's so lucrative. I know, I like performing better. I mean, I love performing, but I realize <laughs> I, I I mean, that's all I care about. But I, I yeah, realize now because of the pandemic and I have this writing job, I'm like, oh, my God, I really kind of like being. I love being in the writer's room. No, no, no. It's you get you. There is a I mean, it's a tangent. It's a creative right. process. And and I actually like collaborating with other people. I don't know how you right. are. I, but love, I like it. Yes, I, I love that. That's yeah, my I'm favorite like, part. Yeah, yeah. Tell me it's bad. I don't I can handle it. Let's yeah. make it good. Yeah. Yeah. You auditioned for the part of Wayne Fetterman. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. On the X-Files. Yes, yeah. Which is the fucking greatest story. Can you um, please do tell? Well, it's, it's uh, very briefly, I met through this again. I get on the Larry Sanders show and I play Gary's brother. And, and then I'm in this basketball game once a week and who comes to the game is the Coveney, and he's like Wayne Fetterman. I'm a huge fan of your standup. I'm like, no way. Yeah, that's what I. I I know he, the story, but I'm acting like yeah. That. yeah. Of course, I'm like, hey, of course, no way. Of right. course, no. And I don't think anyone knows my standup. Right. Because I love your standard. Da, da, da. So we play, and then he comes up to me. He goes, you know, I have this idea for this script I'm writing. I think you might be good in it. Can I send you some? Pay? I'm like. Yeah, no, I'm busy. Yeah, <laughs> you can send me some page. It's so ridiculous the way these people. Uh, anyway, so he wrote this part and it was for a producer named and he goes, I just like the rhythm of your voice. You know, Judy, you have the same thing where it's just mm -hmm. like you, you know. So he wrote this thing and he goes, I'm going to change the name. But right now it's just going to say Wayne Fetterman. And that, that, and you, you go, do you, do you like that? I was like, yeah, this is great. I go, you know, this is about a movie within a TV show. So if you want, you can keep it Wayne Fetterman. I think it would be kind of like an interesting joke. Nobody knows who I am. He's like, all right, all right. And then he's right. Next thing I know, I get a phone call from my agent. They, you're going to audition for the X-Files. They send me the page. It says it's what I've already read. Wayne Fetterman. And then. <laughs> I have to go Chris Kelly, Chris. Oh, I can't. Cooper, something mm -hmm. like that. The guy who runs the X-Files. I go and I'm there. And Fred Stoller's there. Like there's other people right. that are kind of like in my. Right. Holy shit. If I can't book the part of Wayne, of Fetter, Wayne I'm Fetter. done. I'm done. This is this will be the end of show business for me. I'll just do something else. I had a nice run. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. And I just went in there, read Wayne Fetterman, read the part. And luckily, Chris you got the part. You when I got the, the part, part of Wayne Fetterman. You but know, it's not Wayne Fetterman, me. It's a producer named Wayne Fetterman. Wayne Fetterman. Yeah. I actually was working on the Rosie show. <laughs> and 
my agent and my manager in, in LA, who was so mad that I was moved back to New York to have kids and, and I was working on the Rosie show. Right. Um, said, oh my God, there's a part and it's on Everybody Loves Raymond and uh, I'm sending it over and you have to, you have to, you have to come in and, and the part is Judy. She's Brad's, you know, Brad Garrett's mm-hmm. partner in the, you know, he, she hates him. She's really sarcastic. It's Judy. Okay. And my age, everything. It was, I was like, oh my God, this is like words coming out. Like I read it. It's like, this is exactly what I would say. He's like, you have to come here and audition. I was like, oh my God. So I literally, he said, I, I book a flight where I leave at 7 a.m. I get to LA at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I go on the audition and then I take the red eye home, right? Back to New York so I could be at work. Right before I'm leaving, he says, FYI, just want you to know that there's going to be some other people at the audition um, and one of them is Queen Latifah. And I'm like, really? Don't fly out there. You think you're not going to give it to me? You That's think hilarious. You're not going to give. All right. So anyway, I get there to the audition. Right. I'm the only white person in the um, waiting area. I go in, I do it. It's Lou Schneider. You know, they're all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those guys. Yeah. It's like. Van, maybe. Yeah. Right. And um, I do the, I do it. I fly back and Sherry Shepard gets the part. Good night, folks. Take care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You also, um, I love that. Um, Ronald Reagan, by the way, because I read this in your book, was the one who started residuals. Yeah. Or. For performers. Meanwhile, yep. he ended up being a big, huge a-hole. Now you don't curse. I don't. What what is that? I mean, I I could die, I would die without saying fuck. I mean, I wouldn't die, but I just yeah. um I'm New Jersey. I, it's very new Jersey. Yeah, no, I get it. I get I, I I don't mind. I mean, some of my obviously some of the greatest comedians of all time curse tremendously. So it's it's nothing to do with that. It's just I don't really like to curse in life. So I don't yes, that's what I that's what I'm fascinated by with you. Yeah. Is it did did John abusive Fetterman no. curse? Um, I mean, maybe a little, but it wasn't Does, it. It's, no one it's, cursed in your family. Yeah, I wasn't. I think it's you know, it's because it's, I've looked into this. It's like right. who curses, who doesn't curse. And this right. is what it is. Apparently it's lower class curse, upper class curse and then middle class, which is where I am in aspirational tend not to. Did you know that? No. Yeah, just I mean, obviously there's exceptions to, but as a rule, that's kind of where it, it and that sort of makes sense, right? Right. Oh, so God, where um, am I? I don't know. What I know. I don't know. I feel like we're both kind of in the same middle class yeah, kind of thing, I, right? I feel like um, my mother, since I'm a kid, I've been cursing, and my mother's like, "You talk like a truck driver, Judith." <laughs> um, but they had their favorite things. Like my father would say, "Bitch on wheels." Mm-hmm. Up Shits Creek without a paddle. One of their both of their favorites was goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but never fuck, you know, never really bad, never the C word. I don't know why I'm saying cunt. Um <laughs> you know, it but well, I have to say you do have a certain flair for your swear. It's yes. like it's you I, I only, will admit it. I will admit it. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. But only <laughs> in the house. I remember the first time I heard one of my mother's friends curse. They said shit. And I was like, wow, other people curse. I had no idea. But I have always, I don't know what it is. 
And also, I have a thing about this is going to sound really bad and it's not judgmental in any way. I really don't like uh, bitch and I don't use that word ever. I think it's. I don't like that word either. You don't No. Right. Like this. I feel like it gives me a ping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way better than bitch. Yes, of course, of course. And so there's no words like that for men. That's what also pisses me off. Of course. There's (laughs) toxic masculinity and that's it. Privileged. Hey, you, you're fucking privileged. Um, So I don't know. Just I found that word really like the little girls have to deal with that word. I feel like it's close to the. Yeah, it's interesting. You are. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like when people. You know, but it's used if I find if you switch out the N word when someone uses it, it's sort of in the same way. It's used to kind of categorize somebody. Right. A group. You know? Yeah. 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 It's like, or call it, and then. So anyway, that's just a little. Thank you. Thank you. For like, I, don't care. Um, I mean, I do. Now you produce the Zen Diaries of Gary Shanley. Mm-hmm. It must have been very hard when he passed. Mm-hmm. It was. You. It was. We came, um, uh, it was Judy. It's shocking. Right. You know where I'm from? Yeah. Plantation, Florida. Like it's like that. Why was able to hang out with that guy and play basketball? And then he would take. Yeah, I was like his plus one for a number of years at premieres and things like we. It was just I couldn't believe the whole time I was. And I just just loved him. I loved him. uh, And yeah, it's not fair. It's not. And Trump is still alive, by the way. Trump. (laughs) Okay. And now okay. you have to bring it back to Trump. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's you, like a Tourette's um, thing. It's like a. You came back to, did you come back to New York to be the head writer for the first? Uh, a head monologue first, writer. I don't, yes. 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 Head monologue writer for uh, Fallon for the first yes. year. Yes. Yeah. Did you love that? And you didn't. I was. Me, but, this yeah. is the honest truth is I was excellent at that job for the first six months, like right. getting it up, getting it going. I was on top of it, I think. But then I just kind of hit a wall where I'm like, oh, this is Groundhog Day. Like, this is the same exact job every day. And so I did, I thought I was okay. I thought I was good at the job, but it wasn't great at the job at the end. My favorite thing I got to do was I was the segment producer for the comedians. Right. So that was like, that was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's get Hannibal on the show. Let's right. get Schumer on the show. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, but yeah, it's that was really, a hard job. That, so, that's a really hard job for somebody yeah. like me to get up at 9 a.m. and write jokes like that. Right. I, the, at Rosie, we had to have jokes written by 7.30 in the morning. How did you tenant. do? It? What was uh, your strategy? I, I, at that time, as I, I was younger and I would get up and I was training for the marathon. So I'd get up at five, I'd run. Then I'd be at work by six. I'd go through all the newspapers and we would pitch by 730. Um, And that's how I became the human interest producer, because I would go through all the newspapers Mm -hmm. and I would find all these weirdo, interesting people. And I kept saying, you know, there's this person who blah, blah. And she'd be like, get him. And then I became the and I and I did all the kids segments. Um, That was my other thing that I. All right. So and did you like that more than the writing jokes? Yeah, I, I was out. We're exactly the same. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, it's exactly. like so funny because you're writing jokes. It's the same thing every day. And that's what most people in, do in their lives. I know. They get I know. up and go I'm, to work and do the same thing every day. And then they retire. And then, you know, yeah. and I can't do that. I can't. That's that's why because you do so many different things. I do so many different things. You're also a professor. 
which I also teach. I teach uh, solo oh. performance at um, the Einhorn School of Performing Arts for primary stages. Um, but I love teaching. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now that's pretty fun too. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm, uh, I mean, it doesn't pay. It's not like I do it for the money, but sometimes I feel like these, these kids should just be out doing stand-up. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. But, but it is interesting. And I do think that we have to, I feel like stand up and you really do this in your book. Like you talk about it is such an American art form and that's, it's so unique to us. And when you, you were talking about who was the woman who, uh, before even the USO went. Oh, and Elsie Janice. Yes. Elsie. Oh, she's, I don't know why. I don't know why there's not a movie about Elsie Janice. Let's she's on the front it. lines. Let's she's do the, it. She's on the front lines. Wait. <laughs> We just haven't, we have an idea about Elsie Janice. We should pitch that. And she did the impressions and she wasn't a straight stand-up. Yeah, but I don't know. Right. And she went and and performed. And I I always say this all the time. I say, what other country, when when their soldiers are embedded somewhere, send over comedians to make them feel better? No no other country does that except for us. And I'm with you. I'm with you. It's incredible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The proliferation of social media, which I I just want to know, I have a huge resentment for it. And yet this is why. Did it seem like I did in my book? Did you read my part? No, I don't. I had a resentment because... I felt like, oh, my God, I did everything right. And now all the rules changed. And I do think there's good things you can get more. You definitely get more fans and stuff. But I'm very old fashioned. As you know, I have <laughs> an answering machine, machine and, but, uh, and plates um, for us. For uh, I just feel like sometimes I'm just sitting here doing something. I'm like, oh, my God, I better post something like I just I really. I just yeah, feel, I don't like I don't like it. I don't, yeah. But this is this story keeps getting repeated over and over and over. I'll give you a quick example. In the early late fifties, they start with the record albums: Bob Newhart, Shelley Berman. Right, right, these aren't right. Big. These aren't big nightclub acts. Right. They get become millionaires. They're like, right. what? The, well, okay. So Joey Bishop and Alan King, who are are the version of you right now, is like. What is this? I know how to make people laugh right. at the at, at a nightclub at the Shaperie. Right. These guys could never play a big club right. like that. I did everything right. And now suddenly everyone's flocking to these young comedians who are putting their stuff out on record. And Alan King, it's a great quote. It's not in the book, but it's kind of he's like, why should I why should I sell my act for a dollar ninety eight when I can make 18 grand a week in Vegas? Right. And it's a good point. Well, it does but, eat up your material, but the, this so is a the new thing. kind of comedian is created where you're like, oh, I have to. I keep- know we. I know, and you really do that in the book and show the 
But this is what the resentment where the, the resentment comes is that yeah, someone will do one funny video and get a million followers, and a club owner will book that person who doesn't know how to do stand up because they're going to sell out, and those audience members are going to be like, "Oh, I don't really like stand up," you know, and maybe not come. I don't know. That's that's my. But can I push back on that just a little bit? Yes. Yes. Just a little bit. Okay. I agree with you, but that's been going on for a long time. I know it was like. Wally Cox, when he got on Mr. Peepers, like he got booked into nightclubs and couldn't right. do the act. Right. And they were so it is it'll be a short thing if they can't do it. Right. Right. But look at Bo Burnham. Do you know that guy? Mm. Bo Burnham. He got famous at age 16 doing a, a funny song as a high school junior in his Hamilton, uh, Massachusetts bedroom. And then he was like, oh, I want to do stand up. And he went and he worked and worked, and now is one of the most creative stand ups working today. And well, I'm going to look him up. I think you would love him. Oh, I am going to look him up. But then I, you have like the Stormy Daniels people. Yes, I like, know. I think, yeah, but that, and it's like, no. <laughs> OK. <laughs> no, I mean, I, um, I understand. I understand that. Uh, yes. I just feel like it's like you're railing against something that's just that's what it is. I'm not railing. I'm saying I'm annoyed by it. OK, I have okay. to do it. All right. Thank you. No, I hate. Look, I don't I like know. I don't like even posting stuff. I feel weird. Right. I hate it. OK, so, this has been this has really been interesting to me. Like, really? Well, it's just because I know we have to wrap up, but. I remember we really kind of bonded a little when we went to Kornfeld's wedding. Do you yes, remember that at all? I played piano at his wedding. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I get her now. Because I feel like you were a little like younger. Than, you're younger than me. So right, it was like right. you were, it was like I was already thing. I was going and to I'm L.A. Big, right. But I'm very I never big. got big. I never got no, big. No, no. My stature of physical i'm big oh. and i'm loud and people look at me like Ugh. you know like it's like it's just so funny still you feel like that oh, still please. do you know how many times young yeah. comics will be like i was so afraid of you i'm like oh my god why <laughs> okay so i always ask first of all i before we hang up because i love you i ha i always ask two questions but i just want you to tell the zapatite commercial story well again this is <laughs> Because it's just so me. Uh, okay, this is what happened. I get there's a new product and they're, they scour L.A. for the young comedians. And the four young comedians they find are Pam Madison, myself, Adam Sandler, and Tim Allen. Those are the four. They, so I feel like, okay, this I'm in it. Right. Zappetites is uh, frozen, uh, microwavable food. So you have to say it, then take a bite, go, this is delicious or something. And then you're not supposed to swallow because they do numerous takes. There's something called a spit bucket to your left and you have to spit out the Zappetite food. And the, first of all, I'm not good at spitting. Like just some people know how to spit. You know, I don't know. They just immediately, they can like spit for like right. eight feet or something. I, right. I, I can't like a lot of times when I'm driving, even driving, I like try to spit out the window. Yeah, a but a lot of people, they can do it. It goes really far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like the guys who close yeah, one nostril yeah. and the snot comes right out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like they have a knack for it. They just I don't have a knack for spitting. Right. So 
So again, like sometimes I would try to spit out the window, but it would land in the little crack where the window is and go down on the window and then you'd roll it. Anyway, it's terrible. So, uh, so anyway, just so I had to just keep spitting into this bucket during the whole, the whole thing. And it was, and I kept getting on my shirt. It was, it was bad. Is that the story? I don't know. No, that all those people what? became huge stars. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah. Okay. No, Whatever. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Tim I Allen. Know. I know. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm I, Adam Sandler. That's, again, this is the Jerry Seinfeld. I got to stop comparing myself. Right. To Tim it's, Allen. But I, it's just so me. It's so me. Is it? Um, yes. Give me an example. Oh, please. I did my comedy, my half hour comedy hour with um, Mark Marin, <laughs> uh, Janine Garofalo. Uh, let's see. These are all my people. My, my, um, right. Who else? Uh, oh, John, John Stewart. Um, I mean, it was just like, forget it. I know. Ray it's Romano. I got it. I got No, you're right. You're right. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Are you all right? Are you all right? All right. So I always ask two questions because yeah. I am very into mental health. I have a lot oh. of anxiety and depression and I've been on meds and I've had like been, you know, not being able to talk. I mean, like I have a lot of mental and, and you are a very self-help person. Yep. You're very positive. You're always saying, I'm just happy to be alive. Happy to be alive. I could have like a little, all right. Uh, which I try to do, like I meditate and everything, but it's like really hard when I get up in the fucking morning and I'm like, Oh, fuck. like that's my first thing is like, Oh no, <laughs> you, there's a George Burns quote that you love. Um, yeah. Which can you say that? Sure. I remember it. I remember reading it when I was a kid. He'd say, I'd rather be a failure in show business than a success at making felt hats. I love that. I might have to write that down. Yeah. Um, and I was uh, just like, oh, I get it. He's and also, like, right. yeah, the quote, nothing is as bad as it seems. The good news uh, is nothing is as bad as it seems. The bad and news is nothing is as good as, as good seems. as it seems, which I is know. also, yeah. I mean, that's very are, Zen, right? That's yes, kind of yes. Zen. It's just like, so what do is. you do? What do you do for your mental health? I'm going to assume you're not on meds because you're very, uh, not no meds. Uh, yeah. No meds. Um, I try to, I play basketball like your kids. Yes. I try to do some exercise that helps. Same. And I, I just try to be grateful. I mean, like that's my that's my go to like Hashtag whenever grateful. It, because when you're grateful, it's it's just it's, you know, the less narcissistic I and I'm narcissistic. I'm about me a yeah. thing. I read a book, a thing yeah. I like to. It's like so whenever I kind of get away from that and become just like, oh, my God. I'm just grateful I live in this country. Right. Grateful I was born at this time. Right. Grateful I was could somehow eke out a living in show business. Right. This thing that like as a little kid in Plantation, Florida, right. I had a dream of. Seems absurd. I mean, how many people I feel like we want, need music for this? Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love I know it. This is supposed I love to be it. Comedy. No, um, I love it. So it's I'm true. just I am I'm legitimate. People who know me know that I'm like legitimately grateful. And the thing I miss, Judy, of when people ask me about the pandemic. I'm yes, I miss doing those those gigs. I really miss right. it, but I really love this. I really like hanging out with comedians because they're same. 
damage and they're funny and they're even the worst ones are like they're that, the worst ones are terrible but some right. of them most of them are just they're right. interesting they look at life in an interesting way and i, I love riffing with I them and it. even you uh, when you do the like the fake crying i just get the biggest kick out of it right i mean the bit like it's a big part of my life it's a big part of my life and i love yeah. it uh, my final question that I always ask, because, you know, the <laughs> I thought that was the final no, one. I thought I did a good final, wrap up. The final is <laughs> yeah. because I call the, the podcast Kill Me Now because I get aggravated over every little thing because right. I am my parents daughter. What pisses you off more than anything in the entire world? Come on, you well, know, you get mad at something. I know you think I do. I know you think I do. I something has to fucking get your goat. Wayne, you cannot be a real Jew if you're not annoyed about something. I know. I I. I injustice, I hunger. Well, well first of all, well, this is my thing. I mean, my big thing in life is like I, I because I was the youngest kid for a while. Like I hate anything that's unfair. Yeah, that would be my Achilles heel. Like, yeah, and I hate that people don't see it. And then when I bring it up, they think I'm a crazy person. Lighting, right. it's so gaslighting. I am the same. I'm like, but wait, why is this person allowed to right. get away with that? Yes, yeah, one hundred fifty percent. Yeah. So right. that is, I would say that's my, that's, that's my Achilles heel. I really, okay. and I see in, in sport and whatever, whenever it happens, that's why right. I can never be like a Yankee fan because I'm just like, my well, kids yeah, love they, but I can't be a, a, what about the taking the air out of the footballs? Like, oh, how does Brady, happen? <laughs> Brady. Yeah, I know. Like, but this is me off so much. I know. I, I, I'm very curious about what medications you're on because I'm like, just interests me just okay right now i'm on um wellbutrin what is that what is that it's an antidepressant and is, how does it work isn't there two kinds of antidepressants yeah there's, there's ssris i'm on two s and uh luvox i'm on a little bit of luvox i'm not on high <laughs> dosages of them then i right. take also take a uh trazodone to sleep and every night is- Wow. Because I can't stay asleep. That's the problem. Oh, I yeah. gotcha. I gotcha. My so, joke is that I've been uh, microdosing Claritin. Hey, now. <laughs> that's that's the kind of material I write over. Uh, that's funny. Not really. <laughs> so um, Wayne, a lot. I can't thank you enough. You're such a delight. I'm so happy that you're positive and successful. And I really now want to pitch that movie about the. Elsie Janice. Yes. But you know you're gonna go to Judd and be like, Elsie and then you're gonna do a movie about Elsie Janice, and I'm not gonna be included. Is that how that what just spun in your yes, head? Yeah. Oh, now I understand the Luxburg yes. or whatever the name yeah. of your medication is. What was it yeah. called? Super Lux. Luvox. 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 Um, <laughs> Luvox. That all just happened in your head. Yep, that all just happened. Oh, oh he's beautiful. gonna go to Judd. They're gonna do it, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> the thing, right? Yeah. Good thing. Um, hey. So on Hulu uh, this fall. Yeah, Hulu. <laughs> the movie Judy is not a part of. Um, well, good luck with your book, The History of Stand Up. It's fucking great. Good. You're doing Fallon in a couple of weeks, right? A few mm-hmm. weeks uh, to push the book. <laughs> and I, you're a delight. And I hope that when I come to LA, we can hang out. I would love it. I would love How it. I get the biggest ca- you know, I went to your Nowhere Comedy Club show. No, you didn't. I yes, love I did. you. Yes. Oh, I paid. so loving, supportive. I love you, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the one and only Wayne Fetterman. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and the podcast and my life would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. Five stars. Please buy my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. You can go to my website, judygold.com. There's links to buy it wherever. If you do buy it on Amazon, please review it and give me five star. You know, all these other books have like way more reviews than I do. And it's really annoying. Okay. And it's a great book. It's a great book. Get the audio book. People love the audio book. Whatever. You must watch on Hulu, Hysterical. It is a documentary about women comics. You have to watch it. It's really good. It's fucking great. My good friends are in it. It's just fucking great. You'll recognize, you know, Jessica Curson and and Rachel Feinstein and um, Carmen Lynch. Who else? Marina Franklin. All have been on the show. Aunt Kelly Bachman, Bonnie McFarlane. They've all been on the show. And it's a great, great look at what it's like to be a woman in the uh, stand-up business, you know, which I've been for quite some time because I'm old. Anyway, there you go. Uh, I just want to say thank you for listening. I really love you guys. Please wear a mask. I can't fucking believe this shit isn't over yet. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all of my thoughts, feelings, and my anger. And all the dates I'm, I'm, I'm performing. I am out there performing. So you can check me out at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew, gold, because I'm a Jew. And uh, listen. I hope to see you soon in person. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.